Peter Dugan here. Thanks for downloading our podcast, and I hope you like what we've cooked up for you today. If you do, please consider helping fund our independent nonprofit at fromthetop.org. Thanks a lot, and enjoy. From NPR, it's From the Top. Celebrating the power of music. In the hands of America's kids. Hello, friend. Welcome to the program. Thank you for being here. And we've got some fun and adventuresome music on the docket for you today, like a musical portrait of a forest brook performed by a teenage flutist, or a tour de force piece for violin written by a Filipino composer and played with deep emotion by a young violinist who's from the Philippines herself. And we'll even experience a clarinet bromance. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, and I'm going to experience this journey right along with you as we record today on the stage of Thayer Hall at the Colburn School in Los Angeles. This is our fourth show from Colburn, which is one of the great training institutions for music and dance in the country, and we want to thank them for hosting us. All of the young musicians you'll be meeting today are students here, including the brilliant young pianist beside me right now. He's 16-year-old Uki Sachidina from Redondo Beach, California, and Uki's going to center us all as he plays the Symphonia from the Partita No. 2 by Johann Sebastian Bach.
16-year-old pianist Uki Sachadina from Redondo Beach, California, performed the Sinfonia from the C minor Partita Number no. 2 by Johann Sebastian Bach. Uki, I so enjoyed that performance. That's one of Bach's greatest keyboard works, I think. And wow, did you do it justice, and then some. I, I, I love all the character you bring to it. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a great pleasure to, to play this, and especially a piece that's so important to me as the Partita. You know, I'm opening up this score to that piece right now, and look at it with me. What do you see? I mean, or maybe I should say, what do you not see? Well, we don't see any dynamic markings. Right. We rarely see articulations. Yep. Um, often no tempo markings. Exactly. And so for a modern pianist, when we think about some composers like Debussy, you know, where there's a marking on almost every bar to get faster, to get a little bit slower, you know, and crescendo here and forte there. And we don't have any of that in Bach. I think we, you and I feel the same, that that's something to get excited about because it gives us interpretive freedom. Uh, were there any choices that you had to make in this piece where you felt like, wow, I could really go this way or that way? Yes, I think especially in the middle section, the andante, It really depends on how how you interpret it in, in terms of the orchestration. So I was thinking of a like a viola da gamba as the as the, the bass. Right, viola da gamba, similar to our modern cello. And like a baroque oboe as the top. So that really changed it because before I was. I was playing the, the left hand more staccato, the eighth notes. Mm-hmm. But uh, my teacher is actually a harpsichordist and he plays in a, a Baroque ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked a little bit about how the there's never really a staccato on a viola da gamba. So that really influenced the way I, I played that, that section. Yeah, you brought so much lyricism to it and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uki, the way that you approach that symphonia from the Bach, it's no surprise to me that you're studying conducting here at the Colburn School. Given that you're a pianist and you don't yourself play an orchestral instrument, what is that like to get into conducting? Well, I think being a pianist, some of the disadvantages are I've never really played as an orchestral member, so I don't constantly hear the sounds of of strings and woodwinds around me and, and Mm. Um, I think, however, as as a pianist, we always have to think orchestrally, and yes, we're indeed. always playing more than one line at a time. Right. It's like you're already a conductor in your own right of these 10 little <laughs> orchestral players, your 10 fingers. What What is that feeling, you know, stepping out on the podium for the first time? What is that like where you you and I are used to being at a massive nine-foot instrument that we can almost hide behind? Of course, when you're on a podium, I'm guessing that there's nowhere to hide. It's very exposed. What is that? What did that feel like? I think at first I, I was it was just completely new to me, and I, I wasn't making as much contact with the the musicians as I could have shown as much emotions as I could have, and mm. and really inspired them to make the music. So it took a little bit of adjustment, but now I feel like I'm sometimes more comfortable on on there than I would be just walking around because 
it's all about the music. It's mm. it's not really about it's, the communication that I do as a conductor comes directly through the music. So if I love the music, it's easy to to communicate that. Well, you certainly communicated your love of that Bach today, and I look forward to seeing you and hearing you conduct sometime in the future. Uki, thanks for being with us, and it's just been a delight. Thank you so much. Uki Sachadina is 16 years old from Redondo Beach, California. If you subscribe to From the Top's podcast, you can download whatever episodes you want and listen on demand. They're available at fromthetop.org. For the last 15 years, From the Top and the Jack Kent Cook Foundation have awarded over $3 million in scholarships to talented young musicians who have financial need. We still have more to give. Go to fromthetop.org to learn more. Peter. Today's show celebrates the students at the Colburn School in Los Angeles, and our next Colburn performer is Ashley Tsai. She's 16, a violinist, and she's going to perform the Sonata No. 3 in D minor by Eugenie Zai. Hey, Ashley. Hello. Welcome to the program. I read that you've loved this Izai piece for a really long time. Yeah, I grew up listening to this piece. Yeah. I've always loved this piece. And so it was really, really exciting for me to actually get a start to learn it. And you say that this piece checks all the boxes of why you love classical music. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think because this piece, it has a lot of technical virtuosity, but behind all that virtuosity, there's also a lot of great musical ideas that I got to explore and different things that I got to bring out other than the virtuosic fast notes, which is really fun to practice as well. Yeah, there's there's so much soul and, and passion underlying it. Let us not wait one moment longer. Whenever you're ready, please take it from the top. Thank you. 
Ashley Tsai, 16 years old, performed the Sonata No. 3 in D minor, Opus 27, by Eugenie Tsai. Ashley is studying at the Colburn School in Los Angeles, California, and she is one of our Jack Kent Cooke young artists. Ashley, I am still like, my heart is pounding just listening to that performance. You make the violin roar, you make it cry, but also I have to give a shout out to those soft moments too when you have the transparency in the sound. Just beautiful. Thank you. You're enrolled here at the Colburn School now, but before moving to California, your family immigrated from Taiwan to Canada. Talk to me about the challenges of immigrating when it came to your music and education. Right. So I actually started violin only about half a year before we all moved to Canada. So when we came to Canada, we found a violin teacher. But of course, there were also language barriers. I didn't really understand English. So um, instead of, you know, trying to process everything that my music teacher was saying about like technique and everything, I became really good at imitating. And then I translated everything that she said based on what I saw and what I imitated. You describe that listening and mimicking uh, as you did as a, as a child has turned you into a sort of super listener now, especially when it comes to listening to recordings. How does that work? Right. So when it comes to listening to recordings, I'm really good at listening to the little details, listening to the different articulations, the tempo or stuff like dynamics or even... Like if it's a piece mm. that I'm playing, I would you know open the music and see if their fingerings or their bowings are the same as my bowings and fingerings, right. and you know what kind of difference that makes in their sound and overall phrase. I understand that now you're starting to discover the limits of mimicry, right? right. Like it can only get you so far, right? Yeah, I think now as I'm you know growing and getting more exposed to like this giant world of classical music, every player is different. And there's like no two people that play the same. So you really have to start experimenting on your own. Finding your own voice as a musician is a huge process that requires courage and and growth. What are some of the motivating factors that inspire you to keep growing as a musician? I think music, like especially classical music, it's something that's very subjective. And my idea of a perfect recording or a perfect performance might not be the same as somebody else's interpretation of a perfect performance. So in the end, I think it really comes down to finding something that makes me happy Mm. and makes me super confident in my playing and just makes me feel like super satisfied. And like, I think that should be the motivation instead of letting others motivate you and trying to play for other people, trying to play for, you know, the acceptance or like the happiness of other people because I've also experienced like that feeling of losing my you know inner reason of why I play music I was Mm. doing so many competitions and you know different performances and receiving so many you know um, advice and everything that I started to take in all the pieces of advice Mm. and you know all the criticisms and try to apply every single one of them to make everybody happy. Uh, but um, And so, therefore, I started to lose really why I started to play classical music in the right, first place. Right. Because I wasn't truly trying to express myself anymore. I was trying to feel what other people feel and trying to do what other people do. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you 
sort of encountered a crisis almost of feeling like, why, what am I doing here? Why, what is this all about? And, and I'm excited that you've come through and clearly you're like on the other side of that now. And now that's not to say that, you know, this, this is a a tough road ahead for for us as artists. And we're always going to be struggling with these ideas of, is it for me? Is it for my audience? It's certainly not for the critics though. I'll tell you that. And, um, I'm just so impressed by how mature you already are at 16 and like the, that you've, that you've grappled with these ideas in a, in a really productive way. You know, so Thank thanks for sharing you. that with us. Thank you so much. Ashley Tsai, 16, studying here at the Colburn School in Los Angeles, California. Pianist Peter Dugan here, and our youngest performer of the day is up next. Her name is Nika Gershman Pepper. She's a flutist from here in LA. And how old are you, Nika? I'm 14, just turned 14. Wow. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. While I go get ready at the piano, why don't you introduce what we're going to play? Peter and I are going to be performing Am Waldesbach by Paul Wetzke, and it translates from German into English to By the Forest Brook. What do you love about this piece? I love that this piece is like a transition from winter into spring, and in the fast tremolo section at the end of the piece, it is like the forest and the nature is coming alive. Great. Let's take it from the top.
Am Waldesbach, by the Forest Brook, by early 20th century German flutist and composer Paul Wetzke, performed by Nika Gershman Pepper. Nika is just 14 years old, and I had the great fun of playing the piano along with her. Nika, I love the journey that you took us on with that performance from those mournful opening melodies all the way to that bubbly, sparkly brook that you created with the flute. Just beautiful. Thank you so much. I love this piece so much. Nika, you have a sort of legendary great-grandfather in Russian culture. Tell me about him and maybe some of his influence on you. Well, my great-grandfather, Mikhail Matusovsky, uh, was a Russian poet, and songwriting was absolutely crucial to his career. And his most famous song, Moscow Nights, was performed at the White House by Van Cliburn at the end of the Cold War. So that was bringing peace between the nations. So did you read his poetry aloud growing up? My grandma would always cherish our time together and we would always read it together. She would read it to me while I was still very, very young and I would always just listen to it and just absorb it and I feel his blood pulsating inside of me because the Russian language is really a treasure in our family and it's just really important for me to always dig back into my heritage. Well, would you play the role of your grandmother right now and read a little bit of your great-grandfather's poetry for me? Of course, I'd love to. I will be reciting a little verse from Moscow Nights and... I will translate it after I recite it. Okay. Речка движется и не движется. Вся из лунного серебра. Песня слышится и не слышится в эти тихие вечера. In English, that is, the river is moving in its stillness, embroidered from the silver of the moon. The song is resonating in its silence during these quiet evenings. And I, one of the reasons I chose this is because mm. it's just like Am Valdesbach yeah, with the is. river moving in its stillness and the transitionary period between the music and the silence and right. the moving in the stillness. It's just beautiful. What an incredible legacy to be a part of. Uh, you've said that he's actually inspired you to compose some music yourself. I'd love to play a little something that you yourself wrote recently. (laughs) ¶¶ 
Hmm. What are we hearing and who's playing? We are listening to Respiro, my own original composition, which was premiered with me and the Los Angeles Jewish Symphony. And I titled this piece Respiro because the flute literally takes the air of the musician away to come alive. And so Respiro is like breathing. I, I hear the breathing and I love the dancing of this piece too. It's just beautiful. Thank you. I've always loved the waltz. Not that I can dance to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sure can play it. I read that you dream of studying the flute and composition abroad. Where would you ideally love to go to study? Well, I always had the dream to live in Paris. And I always, so I even started learning French because I thought, Paris is the city, because one of my favorite flutists, Marcel Moïse, is from France. But then I realized I love Colburn so much because I love my flute teacher so much, my flute teacher, Jim Walker. He's a legendary flutist, and I don't know anyone who I'd rather study with than him. Wow. Well, you did mention Marcel Moïse, and um, I know there's a quote by him that you're particularly fond of. Would you mind sharing that to sort of take us out of our time together? Yes, it's even in my email signature. I Mm -hmm. long ago observed that the real beauty of the sound comes from the generosity of the heart. Beautiful. Thank you for your sound and your generosity today, Nika. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Nika Gershman-Pepper, just 14 years old, from here in Los Angeles. Nine out of ten young musicians recommend watching Daily Joy videos every day to significantly improve the quality of one's life. These Daily Joy videos feature beautiful music performances by young artists, and you can sign up for the fun at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. From the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. And from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age. From NPR, it's From the Top, celebrating the power of music in the hands of America's kids. Today's program is hosted by the Colburn School in Los Angeles and features the superb performers who study music with the top-notch faculty there. 
Coming up, a 17-year-old violinist delivers a lush and heartfelt performance of a rarely performed piece by 20th century Filipino composer Nicanor Abelardo. From the Top's host, pianist Peter Dugan, is sponsored by Susan and Gerald Slavitt. I'm sitting on the stage here in Thayer Hall at the Colburn School with Noah Jung and Hwasop Jung, two 17-year-old clarinetists who are studying here. Their last names sound alike, but there's no relation except for the fact that they're great friends. They've even been roommates in the past. Noah, Hwasop, I've really enjoyed rehearsing with you guys, and thanks for introducing this piece to me. Hwasop, say what we're going to play. Um, we're playing Il Convegno by Paul Kelly. Noah, before we start, could you take a moment and just explain what the title means and then how you two, as great friends, relate to this piece? The title of this piece is The Meeting, and it portrays the meeting between two instruments, um, both clarinets, and they're exchanging phrases throughout the entire piece, and so that's kind of how it goes. I relate this to our friendship a lot because um, not only is it like an everyday conversation between us, but it's also because our environment and our sort of vibe is really comedic we're sort of a comedic duo <laughs> and it's really really light-hearted and this piece does a great job at um, representing that cool let's take this very light-hearted conversation from the top
That was Il Coveño Divertimento by Amilcare Ponchielli, performed by clarinetists Noah Jung and Hwasap Jung, along with me, Peter Dugan, at the piano. You guys, that was a blast. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it was really fun. Well, gentlemen, the evidence is adding up. You play the same instrument, and you adore playing together, and you play gorgeously together. You've lived together. You spend a crazy amount of time together. You know each other so well. All indicators point to the fact that you two are having a clarinet bromance. Cue the music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so how did this bromance begin? Describe how you first became friends. So we first became friends um, during our sophomore year um, because that was my second year at Colbert and that was his first year. Um, we both happened to be roommates at the time and I helped him just getting used to the atmosphere since that was my second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, both, we just hit it off immediately and we became really good friends. Yeah, um, we started playing simple duets on our um, etude books. Right. And then Christmas carols. Yeah, we just we just yeah. mess around. We play jazzy stuff yeah, as we well. Play, yeah, that's how that's how we yeah how we started playing together and yeah. then how we got closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all great bromances have a little bit of romance, if you will. And I understand <laughs> that one of your favorite memories together involves a pool. Tell that story, Hwasa. Um, this this semester is our senior year, and then we should be working really hard for college, but. Me and Noah just decided to skip practice and go go swimming. We were really stressing about the things we have to do, and we were trying to plan the work that we had to do. We were like, nah, just screw it. We just went and go swimming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was like the most fun we ever had, too, because we knew yeah. we weren't supposed to be doing this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's better. Yeah. It's better that way. <clears throat> well, any good bromance is a safe environment where you support one another through the hard times. Like, I know that there's been some grooming issues with you guys, right? <laughs> so our first year, um, yeah, I had I had the same hairstyle as Noah, yeah. so people actually thought we were brothers. Yeah. And how did you how did you solve that? Um, um, the issue with our hair is, is sort of that um, no matter how short we cut it, it always finds a way to get out of control really fast. And um, I don't know for Hwasup, he I know he's had a variety of different hairstyles. He's had buzz cut, man bun. Every every <laughs> every kind of hairstyle he rocks. For me, it's I didn't really rock that many hairstyles, but it was more or less just always out of control. <laughs> Even my professor made fun of me for always having long, crazy hair. Did you ever get in trouble with your professor for your hair? Um, actually, yeah. Um, he always tells me to cut this bun off. <laughs> and then um, when I play well in lesson, he says maybe your um power of playing well sometimes come from your man bun. (laughs) Okay, let's take a chance to get a little bit more serious now. Are you two thinking about the fact that your time together at Colburn is coming to an end? And, you know, do you think that you're going to be traveling to see each other next year? What what does the future hold for this bromance? Um, Man, that's sad. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully we both get into the same college. I mean, that would be the best situation and then we can be roommates again. (laughs) But if we don't, and that's a big if, we don't get into the same college and we go our separate ways, I'm sure we'll stay in touch and we'll visit each other. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't doubt that, just seeing the way you guys vibe together. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for this fun interview and also for the really fun performance that we just had. That was a blast. That was thank fun. You. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you. Our two clarinetists, both 17, studying here at the Colburn School, Noah Jung and Hwasup Jung. The young performers on our show are so impressive, sometimes you've just got to see it to believe it. And that's pretty easy to do, actually. Just go to fromthetop.org and check out all the fun video we put out every week. Not only do we have photos and video of our young players making radio with us, we've got our Daily Joy video series, virtual concerts, raucous pop music covers, and more. That's at fromthetop.org. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, and if you've been listening all along today, you know that we're coming to you from the Colburn School in Los Angeles. And if perhaps you haven't heard of Colburn, you should know it's a beautiful campus smack dab in downtown L.A. that attracts some of the best young artists in the country to study music and dance with its faculty. All the performers we've met today study here, and our final Colburn student is sitting with me right now. She plays violin, and her name is Jan Rafaela Ibanez Marquez. Jan, tell everyone... Where you call home? Uh, the place that I call home is called the Philippines, and I'm a very, very proud Filipino, I can say. <laughs> yes. uh, I grew up there, and I got all my, well, half of my life was there, and uh. all of my musical experiences started in the Philippines, and I am very, very grateful to become a Filipino. Well, we are going to play a piece by one of your countrymen, the early yeah. 20th century Filipino composer Nicanor Abelardo. So this is a well-known piece in the Philippines, this cavatina that we're going to play? Uh, for classical musicians, I, I should say. Great. Well, whenever you're ready, let's take it from the top. Thank you. 
17-year-old violinist J.N. Rafaela Ibanez Marquez performed the Cavatina by Nicanor Santa Ana Abelardo. And J.N. is originally from Cavite in the Philippines and now is studying in Los Angeles. J.N., I almost can't find the words to describe how beautiful that was and what a powerful experience it was for me to play that piece with you. For I've never played the piece before, and your interpretation is so magnetic. I, I felt so drawn to your sound and to your phrasing. Thanks for Thank that. Thank you so much. Wow, just stunning. Your home, Jan, as we've mentioned, is in the Philippines. So how the heck did you hear about or want to come to the Colburn School? In 2016, I actually heard about the Menuhin competition and listened to the competitors there. Mm-hmm. And there's an alumna of the Colburn School. Uh-huh. He is Kevin Mura. Yes, he, Anna from the top alum, yes, too. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. And he won second prize in the Menuhin, I think. Mm-hmm. And I researched all his background and I saw that Colburn School is a really good school. And then I started dreaming when I, when I was in grade seven to go here. Wow. Then you did finally come, but how? what was the experience like in your first year here? My first year was, I should say, um, it was a wheel of emotions or a roller coaster of emotions. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to describe it. So I was very happy that I got into Colburn because Colburn is a dream school. Yeah. And, and being accepted was like, am I really accepted? <laughs> <laughs> that was the... O- the question that always popped in my head whenever I was studying. But um, coming coming in virtually, uh, it was very rough because I needed to reformat all of the lessons that I've learned, especially in violin. I needed to improve a lot, like left and right hand. Mm-hmm. Not just one hand, but both of, <laughs> both of my hands were ne- needed improvement. And... I was always confused on converting the time. <laughs> right, right. And there was one time that I, I almost forgot that I had class and I almost missed it. Good thing I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems to me like you're absolutely thriving right now and your playing is just masterful. What is it that got you through those tough times last year? What do you, what do you feel motivated you to keep going? I guess the thing that really motivated me is my dreams, of course. Uh, my dream is not only being the one of the, not best, but I think one one of the violin, known violin performers in the world. Mm-hmm. I, that's one of my dreams. But yeah, shoot for the stars. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, secondly, my, my long-term, long-term dream is uh, coming home to the Philippines where I grew and studied music. And I guess um, spreading the the classical music in the Philippines because classical music is not very known to our country. Mm. And I was actually teased in school for loving classical music because it's ancient and hmm. the composers are dead and stuff. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I really want to promote classical music. I want to teach classical music. And I felt like... Th- that dream grew more when I was here because seeing the environment here, like having those kinds of practice rooms, learning a lot from teachers. And I really want to, well, I thought of this recently. I want to build a mini Colburn in the Philippines for Uh, sure. (laughs) 
Well, I know that you're going to accomplish that, JN, and can't wait to see it come to fruition. And I'm really excited to say that From the Top is going to contribute in some small way to your mission. You are getting one of our $10,000 Jack Kent Cook Young Artist Awards. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Well, we're so grateful that we got to meet you and we got to have you on the program. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Jan Rafaela Ibanez Marquez, 17 years old, from the Philippines, now studying here at the Colburn School in Los Angeles. Well, it's time to say goodbye. But before signing off, I want to thank all the young performers we've met here at the Colburn School, not only for sharing their music with us, but also for sharing their humanity. And to you, listening while crossing town by foot, or piecing out at home, or waiting to board your flight for Rapid City. Thanks for being here. I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Don't forget to join us next week when we'll take it from the top. This From the Top is written and produced by Tim Banker with music director Megan Swan, production manager Matt Dykeman, and assistant producer David Norville. Sound design and editing by John Escobar. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. I'm Joanne Robinson. Special thanks this week to Jesse Ewing, Francesco Perlangeli, and Hawk Graham at the Colburn School, and to Derek Williams there, who was our recording engineer. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Howard and Geraldine Pollinger Family Foundation, 
committed to nurturing the development of talented emerging artists and sharing the joy that the performing arts bring to life. From the Pew Charitable Trusts, sharing the data behind American diversity on its new podcast season, Race and Research, available at pewtrusts.org NPR. And from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation at macfound.org. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org.